You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 62 of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob is trapped in Setauket. He could not escape. He had uh, something he had to do at work, and he couldn't make the trip across the border today into Nassau County. Uh, So... Condolences to Bob, and Santisha is probably going to take over most of Bob's duties today. I sure will. All right. See, Bob, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're coming to you from the Roosevelt Public Library in Roosevelt, New York. And the Library Pros podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find podcasts. And please check us out on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Library Pros. And this is where Bob would turn to me and say, what, no WWW in the beginning? So uh, consider leaving a review and tell your friend or colleague about us because word of mouth is how uh, people find out about our podcast. So today joining us is a panel of librarians who are going to talk about their experiences as librarians of color. So today joining us is Dr. Lambert Schell, the director of the Roosevelt Public Library. Uh, And thank you for hosting. No problem. It's wonderful being here. Thank you. Anytime, anytime. And we have Keisha Watson-Phillips, Youth Services Librarian and Circulation Supervisor at the Freeport Public Library. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And I also work at Roosevelt Public Library. You also Library. work at Roosevelt. Okay. Yes. And you also are the new what? You got to come on. You got to promote okay. yourself. Okay. I'm the new head of Young Adult Services at the Levittown Public Library. Congratulations. That's great. Yay. And we have Karen Gilliam. Carol. Carol. Yes. Black Heritage Librarian at the Roosevelt Public Library. And is it Zora Neal Hurston Award? Yes. We're going to talk about that. That's really cool. (laughs) Michelle Samuel, Head of Children's at Oceanside. Yes. Hello. Hi. And Salama Mullen, School Library Media Specialist and National Board Certified Teacher. Teacher, because I can't spell. (laughs) (laughs) And part-time librarian at Uniondale Public Library. And, of course, Santisha Kendrick-Samuel, a third-timer here on the podcast from Uniondale, uh, head of Teen Services New Adult Program Coordinator at Uniondale. So it's good to know we all have titles that are, like, way too long. <laughs> way too long right? Way too long. Yeah, exactly. And, and, not, and not that important either. Just way too long. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know about you guys, but for me, definitely not that important. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy that you see running around the library who look like, you know, the chicken I just hit the chopping block, you know? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, and how can I forget to say, Santisha, mover and shaker? Oh, yes. Yes. Thank Which you. is awesome. That's right. right. Mover and shaker, huh? That's right. <laughs> 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 so thanks for, for letting us come to your home here at Roosevelt and, and talking about the, some of the things we're going to talk about. And I, I'm jealous. I have board envy. That, that board is amazing. Mm-hmm. We have you're, three you're of them. Board. You have three of them? Three of them. So before you go, you can actually uh, take a look upstairs. We have three. Oh, now I'm really excited. Yeah. Wait, we're, we're still going to do this, all right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do we have to? <laughs> oh, man, this is great. So we have a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to speak to our panel about the important work that librarians do serving um, populations of color and their experiences being librarians of color. But first, let's get to know everybody. So just around the table, chime in. We don't need, necessarily need to have, like, you know, Robert's Rules or anything. Let's start at the beginning. Is everybody originally from the island, meaning Nassau, Suffolk? Yes. I heard somebody say something about Queens before. I'm from and Brooklyn, no. New York, but I worked in Queens. Oh. Right. And I have my training in uh, New York Public Library in Harlem. We got one of them. <laughs> one of the New York Public Library people. 
<laughs> I always say that when I get somebody who used to work at New York Public. So uh, what drew everybody to librarianship? Because everybody has a different, interesting story. And we'll talk about it a little bit later. But just in general, what drew you all to it? Well, well, I can start off. I, I was a teacher before I became a librarian. And um, I got laid off as a teacher. And the first job that I got while I was laid off was working part-time at a library in Harlem. And uh, I really loved it. And all the superiors, my director and all the powers to be said, you should go to library school. <clears throat> Sorry, you should go to library school. I said, nah, okay. They said they have grants. They have all kinds of fellowships. You can go for free. I applied for a fellowship at Queens College, and I got it. So my library school was paid for completely, and they even gave me a stipend. Wow. So when I graduated from library school, I worked in children's services uh, at the Harlem Library. And I decided that my son, my son was very young, and I decided that I wanted to tr go back into school library because that was my focus in library school, school library media, because I had been a teacher. So it just so happened that I got a job in um, the Freeport school system as a school librarian because I live in Freeport and that's how I came back to Long Island and once my son got older he was going to college I was going through a divorce I said I need money for college so I got a part-time job at the public library the Roosevelt Public Library mm -hmm. so that's how I ended up here and eventually they asked me to take over the Black Heritage Collection and the rest is history my story is very different because I come from a professional basketball background. I was a professional basketball player for about 10 or 15 years. Oh, wow. Stopped doing that, became a teacher with girls who were sexually abused and molested at this residential treatment center in uh, Yonkers, New York, and got a job at Queens Library running a uh, juvenile justice program for kids in a community where, um, middle-class community, African-American middle-class community, where kids... Parents weren't allowed their kids to come home in the afternoons, so the kids would go to the library and basically destroy the library. You know, it was like, you know, not destroy it because there was a lot going on, but destroy it because it was too many. Probably 100 to 150 teenagers at a library in the afternoons, every afternoon. So the library went out and got a grant. Um, I was managing that grant. We were one of the first libraries back then to add a social worker to the, to the program, and that program expanded, got rid of all the problems. Circulation numbers started to come up, the things that library and people measure, which, you know, I really didn't care about at the time. And... Um, I had a supervisor by the name of Maureen O'Connor who was just like, you got to stay in this field. You need to go back to library school. And I'm like, I don't want to do that because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't exciting to me. I can, you know, I just thought about maybe I go be a principal at a school or something like that. But she just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. I just remember being at a conference in um, Orlando and she called me. It's like, I got you this, this uh, diversity scholarship at Palmer School and you need to get on that immediately and I did and I went there and then she's like you know um, you'll be good for leadership and just just been moving up the, up the chain uh, doing that but you know public libraries and working in inner cities or areas like this it allows you to just do so much education recreation you know so much and then you work with everybody just you know it's the important man's universe university for everyone and also we do you know I think that libraries do free better than anybody in, in the world so that's what I, that's what I love about it that's a great story wow yeah. Basketball, really? Yeah. What team did you play for? I played, I tried it for the Utah Jazz. Uh -huh. um, my basketball, college basketball uniform is retired in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, I played overseas for about 10 or 15 years. Um, 
it's it's opened up a lot of doors. I'm also, you know, not only the director at Roosevelt Public Library, but also the head basketball coach at Kingsborough Community College uh, during the uh, September to, no, to to March. So I'm still involved with that and do a lot of other stuff, training kids and things of that nature. So it keeps me involved. Um, even at Queens at one time, we ran a basketball tournament um, out of the uh, park where the kids – the t- basketball tournament was free. The kids had to read in order to be involved in you know, the basketball tournament. It was just a great, great experience. So, like I said, public libraries allowed me to do, you know, so much more than working in probably as a principal at a school. Oh, that's great. I'll go next. I was working for the Administration for Children's Services, and I was a child protective specialist. Here in Nassau County? No, I was in uh, Jamaica, Queens was my area. Okay. And um, that was a job I got right after undergrad. I graduated from Stony Brook with a degree in anthropology and women's studies. So um, when I went to uh, the Administration for Children's Services, it was a great job. I loved it. Until I got transferred to a bad supervisor. And Mm. I started thinking about, um, you know, I was young. I was, what, 23 years old. 22 years old, I think, and I 23 years old, and I started thinking about, well, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? What is something that I would want to do every day, not feel like it's work, and literally skip the work, you know, just have a great time? And I had no idea, and I went to the library and took out the um, Occupational Outlook Handbook at the time. It was not online, and you had to actually get the book, and there was uh-huh. a copy I could get. You mean you had to read an index, right? Yes, yeah. I had to take it home, and it was a huge book, and I started flipping through the book, and um, I landed on two jobs, uh, working in higher ed or becoming a librarian. And I had no idea what a librarian did. I didn't even really know that was a job. I didn't know you needed a master's degree um, for the job. I had never met another black librarian. It was something that was new and interesting. When I started doing my research, I was like, wow, this is something I could really do for the rest of my life. Um, But I was still interested in higher education. And I got into every library school that I applied to but none of the programs for higher education. So I always think that, you know, it was a divine force or something, you know, bigger than me that kind of pushed me into this um, field and this direction. And when I took my first library course, I fell in love. I loved it. My professor was awesome. I went to Queens College. It was just a great experience. So These are all great stories. <laughs> wow. It's meant to be. So you worked at ACS, Gertz Moore, huh? Yes, that's right. (laughs) Okay, who's next? I guess I'll go next. Yeah, go for it. Well, mine took me across the waters because I grew up in Jamaica, West Indies, in the Caribbean, hence the accent. Um, I graduated um, university, and then my first job in Jamaica was at the National Library of Jamaica. And it was a special library, and I was hired as a research officer. And that was what brought me to the librarian field. I was like, wow, there is more to this field than I thought there was. And then eventually when I migrated, I ended up in Queens College. Again, great professors. I went to Freeport Library as an intern. And from then, they offered me a job. I became a youth services reference librarian in the beginning, and then um, a youth services librarian. And it's been almost 12 years. Wow, that's a great story, too. Stacey, I forgot to introduce you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. (laughs) Go ahead and and introduce yourself. Tell us your story. Well, I'm Stacey Smith-Brown. I've been in the field over 20 years now as a librarian. And right now, I'm assistant director at the Roosevelt Public Library. 
So my story. <laughs> a lot of cheering. I like it. <laughs> my story, how I landed in library world, was I really was going for politics and for pre-law. Scores and grades were not that well, so I couldn't get accepted. We have a very similar story. <laughs> I couldn't get accepted into law school, so I redirected. Um, what made me come into a library field really was like anytime I did an assignment, it's like I just reached for so much information. I would have like this much information and only had to write maybe a three-page whatever <laughs> essay. So I just realized that I really, really, really enjoyed information and searching and then also giving out this information. So I'm the person that walks around with the loose leaf book with information that I rip out of a magazine. I'm like, somebody's gonna need this one day. And I would literally help a lot of people that way too, you know, um, for good and for bad, you know, for things, I won't say good and bad, but for things that was unfortunate events to people, I found information that landed them out of trouble and stuff like that because I, I don't know I'm just I just love information so um once I didn't wasn't able to make it into law school I redirected and found out that there was actually a profession where you could get a master's degree in called librarian and in information <laughs> science and so I reached for it loved it um so happy I landed here it's the best thing still want to do law but I love um my field and I have to say I'm really happy because everybody here started with paper. Yes. <laughs> everybody, you know, because now, like, I had to write a thesis in undergrad, and it took me six months just in the tombs at Stony Brook, you know, pulling magazine articles, probably getting hand cancer from all the toner, from all the copies I made. And now I could have done all of that research in six weeks because of the, the digital age. I'm not knocking the digital, but there's something to be said for cutting out the magazine articles. When you said that, I just, it just went ding in my head. It's like, wow, that, she gets it. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> but the kids, the kids don't get it. No. They don't get it. They no, don't not even it. close. They don't understand it. And, you know, when I was at Queens, we opened up a high school called Queens High School for Information Research and Technology. Just because of that, you know, it's so much information for people in order to disseminate to what's going on out here, and it's people don't know. I mean, you, you know, people think Google Google's the key to everything, and it probably is for many things, but... You hit the wrong key and hit the wrong word, and you got one million things for what you need, and you don't know what's true and what's not. You know that's where the profession comes in, and that's where these these buildings come in that people claim that people are not coming in anymore. But you know some of the larger systems are probably have more visitorship than you know sporting events and anything that's happened around the country, and people don't understand that. And more and more people are coming to libraries than ever before. I think so. Books are not dying. We have the best, and you know whatever people need for free, and that's and that's what's good. Exactly. The free part is the most important part. Mm -hmm. And I always say it, and people who listen to this podcast are probably getting ready to throw their, their, their devices out the window. <laughs> but we're the only quote-unquote government agency that doesn't want to have you fill out a form, right. take a number, right. and we're here to give you free stuff. Mm -hmm. with no questions asked. It, a lot of, I don't know about you guys, but you know, there's a lot of talk about eliminating fines. Right. So yes. that isn't even something mm -hmm. that's on the table anymore. Right. So where else are you going to get a, a quasi-government agency that's here to help you, like genuinely here to help you and foster you and push you forward and raise you up. It's not the DMV, I'll tell you that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, as a, a teacher, and we're all teachers, librarians are really all teachers, um, but uh, when I worked um, at Freeport, in the Freeport schools, I was on the high school level and I did a lot of teaching. Uh, and 
with the young people, it's a combination of both. You know, they're hooked on the technology. They grew up with it. You know, babies know how to scroll through an iPad, but uh, it's, it's about teaching them the combination of uh, the old-fashioned way. You know, looking up something in a book, it, it develops certain kinds of skills when you can go to the table of contents and the glossary and all of that. And then, you know, so you have to have a combination of both. And it's, it's, it's important for us to uh, do that. But I always use this phrase, you know, the most important card. I used to tell the kids it's the most important card you have in your wallet is not your American Express or it's your library card because you can get information for free. Michelle, you, have, you want to tell us your story? Yeah. Uh, so my story, I guess, is a little bit more of a straighter path. Uh-oh. Are you one of those one percenters who knew they were going to be a librarian from the word go? I was going to be a librarian. I probably uh, started off a little bit more similar to Stacy when I was, when I went to college, I intended to become a lawyer. But as I got to about senior year in college and I realized it felt like about half of everybody that I was going to school with wanted to be a lawyer as well. I went to St. John's (laughs) University. Um, So at that point, I was already working at the Freeport Memorial Library as a library aide. And so I decided why not go to library school. And I was very lucky enough to also qualify for um, a scholarship that paid for my whole library school. So I didn't have to worry about any loans or anything like that, which is a blessing. It just fell into place in me. I did start off wanting to be a law librarian because I was like, I don't want to let go of the law. I really love it. But working in the public library already and getting to be part of the programs and working with the children and everything like that, I just couldn't deny that I loved working with children and teens. And so I decided to stay with youth services. I love the two of here the law thing because I came from that background too. So I feel your pain when it comes to that, 100. percent But I also wanted to be a law librarian. Yeah. So yeah, that was. The I'm path glad I didn't did. do it because I couldn't imagine myself being stuck you, in a law library. Queens too? I went to St. John's. Oh, okay. Good. So for both, <laughs> yeah. So I, <laughs> Queens people going to Queens. <laughs> Queens in the Queen, house. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Santisha, you told us your story in a previous podcast, but go ahead and give it to us again, please. Old hash. No. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> well, I grew up in Freeport, and Mr. Crittenden, he was a school librarian in, at Freeport High School. I don't know why I don't remember you, Miss Gilliam. Well, I probably wasn't there. I okay. Was, I was in the middle school. That was before I came to the high school, so That's, Mr. Crittenden was my sad. mentor. I was okay. lucky I was enough to have Miss Gilliam because yeah. you were at Atkinson, yes. and I had her when I was at Atkinson because I grew up in Freeport too. And then I had her when I went to the high school. So oh, I, yeah, got a double dose. Look at this! Wow. wow. <laughs> this one of my students. Yeah. See. It's vintage. So. <laughs> <laughs> so with Mr. Crittenden, then he stood out for me because number one, he was an African American. He is an African American male, and he's a librarian. You don't see that too often like you're not like an endangered species but it's like the spotting Spotting. and the um library was always a safe place for me i mean i was never bullied but i was not the popular kid and then like during lunchtime it was like you went to the library and mr crittenden made you feel welcome and then so between that it was like in my head but my very good friend mary robinson who y'all all know Mm -hmm. we've known each other since we were like born but her first job was at Freeport Library since she was like 14. And it was, and I just watched her over the years while I'm struggling working temp jobs. <laughs> she was like progressing in her career at the library from 
a page to, I think, a library aide or a clerk or something, and then she went to library school. So when I finished my undergrad, I had a degree that I called useless. I was sociology, anthropology, just in the sense that you knew you had to go back. And I thought about law. I even took out LSTAT books and everything, but that wasn't happening. I thought about social work. <laughs> And I didn't want to be depressed. I just know I'm the type that I can't leave it at the, at the office or whatever. So librarianship seemed like a good fit. And I like the idea of a civil service job where they got to build up a paper trail to get rid of you. And <laughs> job security. Oh, so, <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> and I went to Queens College, too. Oh, oh. <laughs> I went to Palmer. You went to Palmer. I went to Palmer. And this is this is your podcast. We can cut all cut all their mics off right now. <laughs> Just so you and I can talk. It's all those Queens people, you know. Queens people running everything. Ah, oh, look at that. Palmer, we got three Palmers. Oh, three Palmers. See that? Not so bad. Not so bad. So we have one more question, and it was marked for Bob. Santisha, would you like to read Bob's question? So, everyone, tell us what is your real passion at work. Because like most people we know in library land, that passion is what drives us. Bob's fired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I guess, uh, you know, my passion, as stated earlier, is working with the people. That's one of the things why I chose to stay in a public library versus going into law librarianship. I love working with the kids, um, making them happy. Everything that I do, I do to make the children and the teens that I work with happy, want to come to the library, make them realize that the library is more than just books. Like, that's what makes me skip to work every day. You know, like, you know, I I don't get up dreading going to work. I enjoy getting to go in um, and have the children come up to me and talk to me about their day and call me by my name, remember my name, and I remember their name, and we can have conversations beyond just, can you find this book for me? It does mean a lot when, when you when you touch somebody like that, where you know, you've developed that relationship. And that's one thing that I do over at Sachem. But you develop relationships with people, and, and that's part of what we do. It's not just, okay, the answer is 32. Next. Uh, yeah, it's on the third shelf on the right. It's 332 point no, that's not what we do. The whole idea is to build those relationships, whether it's a senior, whether it's a child, whether it's a team trying to learn something they don't know. Part of, at least for me, is, is trying to find, no matter who it is, find that spark and pour some gasoline on that spark to yes. make it go even further. So well, let's talk about passion. I mean, for me, it's just uh, pushing the envelope with public libraries. I think that uh, we don't do enough of pushing the envelope in terms of the types of partnerships that we can create coming out of public libraries. I think people think that um, libraries are dying because of, you know, we're just books, and libraries aren't just books anymore. So it's a community place, it's community haven, it's where people come and meet and gather and trying to build partnerships with people we traditionally don't work with. And, you know, like some of the things of, you know, people and all the ills that's going on in the community right now, um, imagine having a public library that had a social service feel to it where, you know, where people in the community who don't want to go to a place that says, you know, Department of Social Services and you got to look behind your back to make sure somebody don't see you walking there because you have some ills. Where if you came into a public library, you could be having a conversation with anyone. No one knows what you're talking about, what you're doing, or why you're there. And I think those are the kind of things that, you know, we have to do in public libraries. And some of those things I've, I've done in my library career so far, but I think coming to work every day, finding, you know, what new organization out there that look at us very differently and going to talk to them and having their eyes open up and be like, oh, okay, oh, I get you now, or this is different than before, and then having them work with us 
and you know fulfilling their mission but also fulfilling ours also and I think that's what I like and you know this this is what we do here you know I think we do do this to do that we do a good job at that the program part here and what we do here because of the space that we have is something I you know I love to see you know I, I you know this is one of the places when I finally got the job here three years ago I was like I'm home you know because the people here are great the staff is great the board is great and it just feels comfortable you know I just hope the people here in the community of Roosevelt and the surrounding you know areas just value us as much as we, we value them and that's you know that's what I think when you come in every day you have that you have something that somebody wants and that, that makes you feel good I have to piggyback on a lot of what Dr. Shell said. I really do love my job. I think it's, it's a very simple trifecta, as I say, as I might say. I think a, a good librarian should have excellent customer service. You should have good collection development, and you should have excellent programming. And you can't do the programming unless you do outreach. And that's what I find that a lot of librarians who are not successful, they don't reach out or do outreach. You have to talk to your patrons. A lot of the patrons that I have here are seniors and I listen to them. Uh, they support me when I have programming. I do a lot of programming this so-called outside the box. It's not something that other libraries are doing and I really love it. I've always had a, a special interest in um, black history. So when they asked me to take over the Black History Collection, I was just like honored. I was like, this is my world. So I, I really love what I do. And um, I think and when I go in a lot of libraries, I see librarians who are, who are very unapproachable. And uh, it, it's a turnoff. You know, we can't be like that. We have to, to be approachable to our patrons. That's, we are in a service profession. I always say, we're not your servants, because some of them expect you to be. <laughs> but, you know, we are in the service profession. We have to, uh, we're here to give our patrons information. Well, I'm going to um, piggyback off of what you just said about loving your job. I'm a school librarian, uh, so teaching is my passion. I love teaching. I teach kindergarten through fifth grade, and Part of the passion comes from that I get to see these students, you know, every week. I see them grow up. I see them from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade. Um, I get to really know them in depth and build relationships with them and know their family. And what I realized for me is part of my passion is that these students get me. They could get any other librarian, but they get me. They get someone that looks like them or understands their culture or understands their differences and respect those aspects about them. And because they get me, I have to give them the best of me, that I have to work hard to make sure that, you know, I'm providing a quality education within the library for them. So I think that's what drives my passion, that I get to see them every week. I get to be with them. And what am I going to have that's exciting, new, and enables them to learn and further their education, you know, every week? That's awesome. Yeah. That is really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Everybody who says, who's been telling me about their passion, I've got goosebumps. Because the, the one thing that's the common grain to everything is the word love. Yeah. You guys exactly. love what you do. Yes. And let's face it, we work with some people who don't necessarily love what they do. Mm, yes. But when you have a group of people like this who truly and honestly, I mean, I'm seeing smiles all around, right. you know, it resonates. And I think it resonates no matter where you live in the world. 
if you love what you do, it comes through in your face, it comes through in your body language, it comes through in what you do on a daily basis. And you know what? Maybe those librarians that aren't as approachable, maybe people don't come up to them as much. They don't. No. You know? yeah. Maybe that's what they want. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. But you know what? If it's, if it's feeding our spark, then we pass the spark back to them. So, and working with kids that age, God bless you. <laughs> and anybody who works in children and teen services, my hat comes, goes off to you because I don't think. I, I was good with my kids. I was a stay-at-home dad. But somebody else's kid? Oh, man. No, my students are awesome. They are some of the best students. Like, they are just wonderful. So That is so I cool. I have a great time at work. I really do. It's great to hear. Yeah. That really is cool. I guess I'll just say I love what I do so much that I work at three different libraries. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't get enough, right? I can't get enough. You have a bunk in the back in one of them? Yeah. I probably do. Yeah. <laughs> so I work at the Freeport Library full time. I work at Roosevelt, and I also work at the Baldwin Library. They're pretty much a, throw, a stone throwaway. So I get to go to these libraries. I, I meet the same patrons pretty much. They see me, they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. But this makes them feel extremely comfortable. They can, you know, I, I carry the transaction from one library to the next. I say, oh, yeah, Roosevelt has it. When you start the aisle on one and you catch it on the other? Pretty yeah. much, pretty much. And sometimes I have, you know, when I hear someone come into the library and I hear the accent, I'm like, mm-hmm, that's a Jamaica right there. And just a few weeks ago, I had a young man that was extremely upset about not getting a nine. He lost something, and he swore he lost it at the library. We were responsible for it. I was the librarian in charge. They called me. So I walked up to him, and he first thing he said, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, uh, what? We ended up starting to talk. We're in Jamaica. We, you know, what part of Jamaica we came from. He yes. left the library extremely happy. He was like, all right, I said, if I find a key, I'll bring it to you. We don't have your key. Go find your key somewhere else. <laughs> We're not risen. He was so sure. We took his keys and we have it. I'm like, we don't have your keys. You didn't lose it here. But just the fact that I walked up to him and there was some familiarity with the voice, with the language, he totally went from 100 all the way back down to zero. And that makes me happy when I can help, regardless if it's a teen or an adult, it doesn't matter. And isn't it, isn't it really interesting, too, when you find a commonality? Yes. Um, now, we're going to talk about that in the next segment, helping you know, people of color. Um, but just as a funny aside, I, I worked at Longwood Public Library before I worked at Sachem. And every once in a while, we would have uh, someone who's Haitian or Creole, and I'd hear them start speaking French. And I know just enough French to get my face slapped. So <laughs> I studied it for about five years, and I, it, it comes back to me. And now I have patrons at Sachem who are French. They're either uh, Algerian or Quebecois. Or they're Haitian. And um, now they refuse to speak to me in English because they're pushing me yeah. to remember and, you know, it, and it sucks. <laughs> Doing a reference interview in French is so hard. Thank God they're only just looking for movies, so it's not too bad. But when you find that commonality, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, especially because I loved helping the people who are from Haiti or from Martinique or some of the other islands because guess what? Now we're like, like brothers and sisters because we find that one commonality. And sometimes that's all it really takes. I mean, we're going to get into this later on. So, but but I, I know what you mean. Like I, When I worked at Dowling College, there was a lady there who was from Jamaica as well. 
funniest woman on the planet. <laughs> and we would talk about how, you know, it was a British colony and how you had to wear the uniforms to go to school yeah, yeah. and then the whole nine yards and then, the, you know, getting whacked in the rear end when you didn't do what you were supposed <laughs> right. to do That's and all right. that stuff. So I brought my kids in. I know I'm off-roading now. I'm sorry. Um, I brought my kids in and I had, I had her speak to them. And they had like they completely all the color ran from their faces. They're like, is she kidding? I'm like, no, she's got the paddle in the back. <laughs> it was great. It really was fun. But when you when you make that connection with somebody, it doesn't matter who they are or where they're from. Those bonds stick with you. I have people from Longwood who come to Sage Him just to say hi, mm-hmm. or give me a call, and that means the world to me because that means it, I've made more than just the connection with them. I've, I've helped them with something in their life. I've mm-hmm. touched their life in one way, shape, or form. And if I had to leave the profession today, if, if you know, God struck me down right now, I know that I did something good with my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what we do, that's too. That's what part makes that's, librarianship so special, that we really are doing something that affects other people. So it's cool to have this job. Yeah, absolutely. Stacy. we didn't ask you yet. Passion. Where, what's the, where's the spark? Well... My spark, I I think, is all over the place. (laughs) And it's kind of deliberate. Um, I started off by saying how much I just love information and, you know, bringing information to people. I'm I'm what, to me, is not just like a librarian read books. Everybody goes, so you read so many books. I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) I like you. (laughs) I don't read books either. (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) Man, this is great. But what I do, I just love information. I love giving it out. I I wait to share it. So in my, I guess my passion more is just giving out information. So now this week, we're... um, helping uh, an organization with the community garden here in Roosevelt. And um, once again, I'm like, I need some flyers. I need flyers. I'm giving them out to everyone who looks like they might be a (laughs) farmer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that's this week. Next week, it may be, you know, I don't know. I just love information. So my passion just lies with whatever is, you know, last year it was the National Voters Registration. You know, I just Mm. really just ran a muck on that and put posters all throughout the library and voter registration forms at every desk. Like, I don't care. It could be the computer desk. It can be the children's little table. (laughs) I put voter registration forms there and informed every librarian that this is something that we had to push so that... It's really important. Absolutely. It's extremely important. My passion is just all over the place, and I love that about being a librarian. It's like I have fell in some worlds where I can be the children's librarian, which I have, the young adult librarian, which I have, the adult librarian, which I have, the programming director, which I have, a grant writer, which I have. I love the fact that I can be all over the place. You know, so that, that's my It's path. a blessing and a curse. Because <laughs> you don't know how to stop sometimes, right? <laughs> it makes my job easy because I feel just walk in the office and just think about how I can just push her a little bit, you know, have the idea, and I just put it in the head and just shove her a little bit and she mm-hmm. comes down with all this stuff and I just say, hey, Stacey, you know, I, I'll be back, Stacey. <laughs> and everything is done already. <laughs> I have to say, too, I have to, you know, give kudos to Dr. Shell again because he's the type of administrator that lets me fly. And as an administrator, letting your people do is probably the best management strategy ever. When you stand over somebody and say, um, why do you have a purple pen? <laughs> 
Um, and now you just touched it. Why are you touching your purple pen? When you have somebody who manages like that, that is like an overlord, someone who's critiquing every breath, that's, that's like those, those memes you see on Facebook where boss versus leader. When you say to somebody, I have an idea. Here's the idea. See how, the, give me an idea, you know, work on this and sh- come back to me with something. And, you, you know, give me you know, a couple of weeks or whatever, come back with it. And then you let your people do and be creative. When that happens, it's like a flower opening up in the springtime as opposed to, you know, the rain hitting it and it closes up because it's getting pelted constantly with, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? So as a management strategy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That, that, that comes from a sports background. It comes from just letting people. I mean, in a sports background, you know, the person that scores the most points is not going to do it every night. So how do you support your, your, your teammates? So how do you support your family? The person that's the mother and father of the family or the head of the household is always going to be the head of the household. So, I mean, I've learned that. The only thing I tell them is, you know, the person in charge is money. How much does it yeah. cost? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you have to manage a budget. Sometimes yeah. you have people in the working places, they don't look at the budget, they look at the program. So as a, as a manager, I tell them all the time, just tell me how much it costs. You know, if it's your idea, I support you. Whatever I need to do to support you. And I think if you empower people in this profession, because I think people don't look at public libraries as a business. This is a business. And it's got to be ran like a business. You have to, you know, manage your budget. You have an image, a branding that you have to, you know, create for yourself. You have to make sure people respect you as a business. Even though it's taxpayers' money, it's still a business. And if you, and if you run it that way, I think, you know, the staff that, that works with you and not for you. I mean, they work with you and not for you. So it, it, it creates a better environment for everyone. Absolutely. Santisha, give us your spark. I'm not going to let you get off easy. You're Bob now. I want everyone else to shine. Man, and shine, man. I need sunglasses. My passion, working with teens, specifically teens of color, because I see myself in them, and I want them to see a professional, an African-American professional who looks like them, who lives around the corner from them, working in the community. And so... When they know when they come to the team space at, U- at Uniondale Library, they know that our programs are going to be different, that we're going to, that I know them by first name and encourage my staff. Most of my staff, they're the same way. It's like, we get to be, how was your day? How was this? Is your sister okay? We get to know them, which I think is, is, is a beautiful thing. Because like the saying goes, real knows real. Mm-hmm. Like our teens know that we're really there for them. We're going to come from around the desk. We're going to put, oh, you want to play dominoes? Here. Here's some dominoes. Go play. Or you want to watch a movie or you don't want to be bothered? All right, that's cool. But we want you here. We don't want you on the streets. That type of thing. So that's what really drives me. And then as I found recently, also community engagement as it relates to serving teens. So the past few years, I've been able to work with the school district where we can get grant monies or from private foundations or what have you that want to do things in the community and then we can use those monies to serve our kids so like last year we were able to work with the Uniondale School District they provided busing from us for us so that we could take the kids to the Cornell Cooperative Extension Farm over in East Meadow and then with Cornell we were able to get a garden plot and then they also supplied us with a student who goes to Cornell University A bonus was that she's an African-American science major at this Ivy League institution who worked with our kids over the summer and taught them how to garden. And some of them, they're just learning English. They're new Americans, or they've been around, and maybe they've never had that experience before. So things like that, bringing those new experiences to them, treating them with respect, letting them know that I expect more of them. I'm not going to let you get 
you know, a pass just because you're what people say you're underserved or you're underprivileged. It's like we hold them to a, a higher standard. And that's what keeps me going. It's going to be 15 years this November, but mm-hmm. I love it. And can I say that since she's my supervisor, Uh-oh. <laughs> that, you know, she's also someone that um, is always bringing innovative ideas um, to the programming. Um, I've seen a lot of programming, team programming, and it's lackluster. Um, we have waiting lists for almost everything because of the innovation of the program. What are the teens interested in? And that's what's brought into the teen space. So being very proactive and deliberate about what type of programming um, you should have for your population, you know, is very important. I think she does a great job of that. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Thank you. None of us are. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we are going to jump into a whole bunch of different stuff to talk about your experiences, um, both as um, librarians of color and helping uh, patrons of color. So we'll be back in just a moment. Mm -hmm. 